Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Kingdom Voices Revealed. This is a podcast series where our heart is to impart, reveal, and help you discover how to activate your kingdom voice, identity, gifts, and callings. New episodes will be released every Friday. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to everyone who's tuning into this podcast for the first time. This is our first episode, so welcome to all who are tuning in to the first edition of the podcast, Kingdom Voices Revealed. My name's EJ, and I'll be the main host of this podcast. And later on in this particular edition, I'll be also personally sharing and testifying a bit on how I came to experience some of the things I'm sharing in this edition of this podcast. We want to give you an introduction and tell you all about it, but the heart of our podcast is we want to be a catalyst for you and a place to impart to you. So that's the heart here. I want to say we, me, and those who will be involved in the future with me in this podcast. In the beginning, it will be me starting, but anyway, so that's the heart, and the whole idea is to be a catalyst for you and to impart to you God's heart for your life, his heart for your identity, to help reveal to you, impart to you, to equip you and fashion you into what God has ordained for your life, to bring you out of darkness into light. Like that's the heart. I want to bring you out of a place where you've been in and to help you discover all that God has made you to be. So I'm going to go into them in a minute, but first I want to just give you this in the nutshell. So here's our heart, all right? So we're a series where our heart is to impart, reveal, and to help you discover how to activate your kingdom voice, your identity, and the gifts and callings that you have on your life. New episodes will be released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So we're going to be doing that. We're going to be bringing this out and really bringing all of you into God's heart for the kingdom in your life. And uh, so we're going to be covering a wide range of topics. But the aim, if you will, the aim is to bring you into a greater understanding of who you are and your identity and your calling and the gifts that God has given you in your life to really see the fruits of the kingdom made manifest in your life. And with that, of course, to get you delivered and set free from where you are and then into that reality, into that destiny. So yeah, the heart to see you get set free, transformed, made into the likeness and the image that Christ has for you of your life into his DNA and who you're meant to be and get you launched into seeing God's kingdom made manifest in your life. So that's what we want to do. And so it's my pleasure that you're joining in today and I get to share this heart to you and to talk all about that. So we're going to go into some of those things today. And so I'm going to give you the scripture that the Lord gave when praying into the vision for this podcast and what the whole DNA and the whole vision behind it is. I'm going to talk about that now. So the scripture that's behind what we do, the main one is this one. That's Romans 8 verse 19 to 21. And today I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. I believe that there's a few good translations out there. I'm not an exclusive one translation guy, but I certainly do know that some are more ideal anyway. So I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. And so this is Romans 8, verse 19 to 21. All right. For the creation awaits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And like this is God's heart for you. This is God's heart for this podcast and this series. This is what the Lord has shown me is that within creation, there's so many people who are waiting, awaiting and longing People who are already living in the reality of their destiny and calling, they're waiting for others to find out who they are just as much as there are those who are waiting to discover it who don't know that and they don't even know they're waiting for that. We're in a season, a time of birth pangs, labor pains, I believe, towards into the end times and all of us are in that place of groaning and birthing. You see, in other translations of Romans 8, verse 19 to 21, in another translation it says, for the creation waits with eager groaning. It says that the creation groans. It longs for this. All right, now here's the thing. At the end part, I want to I fast forward, but I'll just read all of it again and get to that part. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Okay, this part here actually. All right, for the revealing of the sons of God. All right, 
So notice in here it says sons of God. Why does it say sons? Why not daughters? Well, actually it means both, but here's what I like to tell people, okay? So just as much as men need to understand what it means to be the bride of Christ, so does every woman need to live out of and understand what it means to be a son of God. Because in the kingdom, it's like the thing about being a firstborn, right? Being a son, it means to be a co-heir of Christ. It's basically coming from a biblical cultural paradigm of the time that was written. And the significance is the significance of being like the firstborn. That God is actually adopted you in to be a firstborn among many and to be like a first. And then you might be saying, but I'm not the firstborn. I was the second or third, or I have other people who are in front of me. And I would say, well, it's like that. Because again, it's the likeness of Christ's image. All right. He wants to bring us into a place of being into the likeness of God's image. Notice it says here after that, it says, for creation was subjected to the futility. What does it mean, futility? There's a groaning, a striving, a futility, a, a working against what God has. The sin in this world, and creation was subjected to it, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Obviously, it's referring to Satan here. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That is God's heart. That's where he wants to take people. And I believe in this season, the Lord is saying that over you, beloved. He's saying he wants to take you from a place of futility, a place of striving, 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 trying to find out who you are, trying to strive in the place of not knowing who you are, not believing you'll ever find out what you're longing to know. And the Lord wants you to know that all that labor was not in vain. The Lord has been taking you through a time of going through trials and tribulations and struggles all as a means of discovering who you truly meant to be, who you truly are in your identity. And I feel that is very true for many of us here today. I feel the Lord tonight and I really feel that he wants us to know that, that the striving and the labor is not for nothing. It's for something. The Lord has a great plan that he wants to reveal through it. And in fact, so much so that it's like all these things were so that the glory of God may be made manifest in your life. He wants to do that through all these things, the hardships you've had to go through. Through the hardships you've had to go through, the Lord is going to release through you a greater testimony. Amen? And the testimony will be like an anchor or seeds into your life of the destiny and the calling He has for you. And I really believe that for all of you. And I just really want to part that to you tonight. I want us all to understand what this fully looks like. So we're going to go a bit deeper on what we've been talking about. We've obviously been talking about that there's a longing and an awaiting that we're all in right now. And many of us have been for a long time awaiting the discovery of who we are as sons and daughters of the living God. And creation has been laboring through futilities and been subject to it all as a striving to discover who they are meant to be. And so we're all been on that journey. But in this season, I believe it, this is very true for many of us in this hour. I believe this is a word for the hour, right? And so that's amazing because that means it's a birthing of something new that God wants to do through this podcast, I believe. That for such time as this, the Lord should birth this podcast just for this discovery that many of us are on right now. And so that's my heart as we go into this. All right, so the next scripture I'm going to be reading is that, well, it's going to be a few scriptures, but we're going to go into just exploring this issue of that we are meant to discover who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, and to understand that we need to understand the image of Christ, all right? So right now, we're in a season where I believe we're living in the last days. We're going into end times, times in our history, and this is like no other hour have we been so close to that. And everybody is talking right now about what is the image of the beast and what is the mark of the beast. And this conversation has been on a lot of people's minds. And in order to understand the best way, I believe we first need to understand what the real thing is. Because Satan wants to counterfeit what is real. You see, that's what he ultimately does when he deceives, okay? Like, who's going to believe things that are not counterfeit, right? And obviously, we know that we still need to discern things spiritually that are not right, but we need to have a clarity on what is the real thing. 
So this is true for money counters because they need to know what is a real bill. And people have discovered that for money counters, you know, work in banks and so on, they can know the counterfeits so well because they know the real ones so well. They worked with it so much, so much so that they can recognize a counterfeit bill simply because they know the real one. And it's the truth, I believe, that we need the focus in this hour. We need to really get close to who Christ is. And, you know, that's why this book, the last book in the Bible, I believe, is not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in fact, if you look at the original text and the original title for that book, it says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the beast. Can I get an amen on that? I feel that tonight. But here's what I'm saying. If we want to understand these things, we really need to understand what's real. And so there's an image of the beast and there's an image of Christ. And so the image of Christ is to understand that we are made in God's image. We're made in the likeness of who he is. And when we talk about a mark of Christ, I believe that scriptures also speak of, of that the Holy Spirit is like that mark of Christ. When we get saved, we also then receive the Holy Spirit, and that is like the seal of our salvation. Just like in the mark of the beast, it being like a seal of Satan. And so when people are, they say, marked with the mark of the beast, there'll be a seal on their right hand, their forehead. But the book of Revelation speaks of those who are marked with Christ, and that the seal, Christ will be sealed on our foreheads. And do you see where this is going? So there's something else in the spirit that we need to understand. And in the book of Acts, it talks about that there was tongues of fire on the foreheads of every believer at Pentecost. And I believe in the same way, that's what God wants, is that to be the marking and the evidence of Christ in our lives would be our faith and our relationship with God and the completion of the relationship through the Holy Spirit, that we would have signs and wonders and the presence and the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit all being made evident in our lives, that that would mark evidence of God at work in our lives, that it would show that Holy Spirit is there by the fruit, and then therefore the Holy Spirit being the mark of Christ in our lives. To mark the image of Christ is what's worshipped. And just like the beast image will be worshipped and the beast will be marked in people, but we want that Christ will be marked in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so that's what we're really about, and that's what we really want to come back to. And so we're looking after that. 1 Corinthians 4 says that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. And so within our frail human frames, we have Christ, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, which are like frail earthen vessels to show that he's there within our life. All right, anyway, so back to the main scriptures I was going to read. So we're going to go on and we're going to talk about this image that we're made in the likeness of, all right? And there's a reason why I'm giving this because this is also to do with the heart of who we are, all right? So God is described in the book of Revelation. There's a lot about Jesus, right? And the revelation of who Jesus is. A lot of Christians stop with what they see in the Gospels as Jesus, and they only learn Jesus as the Lamb a lot of times. And although he is also very much shown as the Lion there, he is all the Lion of Judah in the book of Revelation. And you're seeing him for who he is in the fullness as King and as our Lord. And so we do understand this in the Gospels, but we understand this more in the book of Revelation, the fullness of who Jesus is as King. And so he's talked about, and he's talked about with his voice and what his voice is in Revelation. And there's at least three times this is recorded. So we're going to talk about that. All right. He's talked about as having the voice of the sound of many waters. Yeah, he's talked about as the voice of many waters. So what are some of these scriptures that refer to this? Okay, we're going to read some of them. All right. So Revelation 1 verse 15, it says that his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. Revelation 14 2 says, and I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of a harpist playing their harps. All right, Revelation 19 6, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Right? This sovereign king. This is the fullness of his image there. And God is holy. He is holy. He is nothing like us. But we were made to be like him. Sanctified, holy. 
not of this world, which Satan lives in and fallen creation is in, but to be sanctified, pure and holy unto God in his likeness, but also with unique traits and giftings as well. And the completion, I believe, of the bride of Christ together, the completion of each of us individually makes up the bride of Christ, who is in the image of God. And so together we make the whole image. And it talks about this also in that other scripture I referred to in 2 Corinthians 4. It talked about this, that his image, his glory is being revealed through those of us and that it is in the image and the likeness of Christ. All right. So together we make up his image, but individually we don't make up the entirety of him, only a part of him. All right. But that's why we need each other, because together we actually make that image now notice back to this, what I just read to you, all right? The voice of many waters, all right? So why does it say many? Okay, well, if we read the Greek lexicon, the Greek word in the Strong's Concordance, this Strong's word, this Greek word means polis, all right? And that translates into many, much, or large, all right? It's large, it's a big picture, and it's comprised of many or much, Many different voices, many streams, if you will. And I'm going to talk about that. And, but what's interesting is the many. And I believe that is very powerful when you think about it because there were foreshadowings of these things in the Old Testament. All right? So voice of many waters. Just think about that for a second. Many waters, many streams. All right? Now look in the Old Testament. You see Joseph was given a coat of many colors. Now, this was very true because he was the son of Jacob, whose name was later Israel. All right, we know that from all of Jacob's sons were the various tribes of Israel. And so the various tribes, I believe, were depicted in this coat of many colors. But just think about it. Together, they make up the whole, and it's a very beautiful thing. But individually, each of the tribes of Israel had unique traits unique personalities, unique giftings, unique callings. They all had different things that they did vocationally, different focuses. But together they made up the greater picture. All right? Now back to this thing of many colors. What's really amazing is the colors of the rainbow, all right, are actually seven colors, all right? The original rainbow. We know that. The original one. All right, seven colors. And within each of these colors, you can break them down in pigment or in light. All right, so it gets more interesting, but when all colors are put together in light, right, they all make a white color together. They all make white, and so this is really interesting, all right, but when they are all made up of pigment, they all make black, and what's interesting is that pigment is what's physical in a way. It's, you can compare it to what's physical, all right, and so what's physical describes what is black, but when they are all of light, they make white. All right, so what are the colors? It's red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. All right, these are the seven colors of the rainbow. And what's interesting too is this all goes back to Noah's Ark because at the end of the Ark landing, God showed a rainbow to promise everyone, to promise them that they would never flood the earth again. But it, rainbow speaks of the promise, but it also speaks of identity. So you see where that goes, right? Because it's so crazy that Satan wants to destroy meanings of things. All right, I'm going to leave it there. But I think you know what I mean. He wants to destroy meanings of things, and he wants to attack people in identity. And so even today, I'll just say this has become a symbol of confusion. And it has become the whole, even the way the colors are even put into them today. When people draw them, they're not drawn the right way. Because it was originally, and scientifically, you can't argue with that scientifically, it's the colors I just mentioned to you in that order, all right? Interesting that there's two shades for purple alone. Basically, purple is broken into two different colors. Really, really crazy stuff. But that's how it is when it's put into light, all right? And when a rainbow is in the sky, it's a refraction of that light. So remember I was talking about that? So what is a refraction? A refraction, to my knowledge, is when light is broken down, okay? When it's put together, it becomes one white stream of light when all the colors come together. But when they're separated, they're broken into all those colors. 
All right, so you think about that. That means that basically this white light, this pure white light is comprised of all these different colors and it's broken down into all these colors. That's in light. In pigment, it'd be the other way around. See where that goes? They're all combined into black and black is broken down into the different colors in pigment. And so you can see how there's almost a tension in kingdoms in terms of this, what pigment, like you see in the prophetic, I believe the prophetic language, and we'll be talking more about this, but prophetic is symbolic, all right? It's symbolic of things that are spiritual. So in that sense, you get, you see where this goes? Like the white light is as the color of all colors in the spirit, and the black is that of pigment. So it would represent that which is the flesh, right? Pigment is of the flesh. The light is of the spirit, all right? So it shows who we are in our flesh nature versus the spirit. And you see, that would show us the image of Christ is different than the image of the beast and of Satan and of the flesh, right? So, and what's crazy, see, because in that flesh image, it's carnal, it's in confusion, it's in futility. We just read about that it's futility, so the world will never truly see themselves as they're meant to see them in the spirit. We're meant to see who we are in the spirit. But if we combine all the colors together, the colors of light together, we get white, and white symbolizes purity, holiness, and heaven. Amazing. And you can see how, where it goes with when they are in pigment, all colors, the world together create black, darkness, and corruption, right? Now I'm going to come back to this in a second, and we're going to talk about where we're going with this. We're going to talk about the seven spirits of God. I don't love talking about this. And we'll talk more about this in another edition. But just to kind of give the whole picture, I think this is why I believe and I feel this is where God wants us to all get a hold of, if you will. All right. Just remember, we're in the likeness of him. He is the entirety, the sum, the culmination and the embodiment of all the colors, white, purity, holiness, right? All of them. It actually makes God who he is in the wholeness and the purity of, of the essence of who he is. But all come from it all derived from that white, bright source. And if you read the book of Revelation, you read the book, if you read in Ezekiel 1, you'll see confirmation in both. But this thing of that, at the center of it all, in the throne of heaven, is this bright, white light, brightness, nothing like of this earth, and bright, white, blazing fire. You know, you can kind of get that idea if you ever seen like burning magnesium or something like that. You'll see this bright white burning and it's like that. I've seen videos on YouTube of people doing this where they've burned magnesium and it's like a brilliant bright fire that you can't see anything. But again, his brightness is like nothing of this world. Nothing compares to that. But that's what you see when it describes it in the book of Revelation and Ezekiel 1. And it's like, some say it's burning like, I saw him like a jasper, like a burning, blazing fire. There's different descriptions that are given there, like a sardius. But yeah, anyway, so, all right, I'm reading from Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 3. And so at verse 1, all right, and this is talking about the reign of Jesse's offspring, right? There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. In verse 3, his delight is in the fear of the Lord and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Of the spirit, that's who we are ultimately. So said there, verse 3, so interesting that it said, and his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. All right, we're going to go back to verse 1 a second, but see where that's going, right? Now, verse 1, all right, what it's talking about is it's talking about a prophecy for the line of Jesse, actually. And this is the tribe of Judah, but the house of Jesse, or David, it's coming from him. That line should be a line of kings, but it's also saying that the anointing is going to fall on him. All right, some could say this is the kingly anointing. It is also a priestly anointing because in very many ways, that priesthood fell onto Jesse, onto David, onto David's house, onto the tribe of Judah. 
And there was always this tension with Levi and Judah because in the New Testament, we can see that where the Levites were persecuting heavily the early church and Christ and through the Pharisees. But you see like here, okay, that the anointing is falling on David. So on that line, which Jesus came from, the tribe of Judah. So was Levi jealous? Maybe. But anyway, so Levi was the priest, right? We know the priesthood came from Levi. Levi was the priesthood. But in very many ways now, there's a priesthood falling on to David. Now, how do we see that? Well, it says there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. All right, now this is talking about that in the Pentateuch, the first four books that Moses wrote. We can actually see that in Numbers, it talks about the rod of Aaron and that that rod later, it budded a flower to confirm that the priesthood would fall onto the house of Aaron onto those people, and basically God selected Aaron's line through this rod that he held, through it budding a flower. None of the other rods of anyone else budded, but Aaron's did, all right? And so that's why it's saying, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And so basically now there's a rod of the priesthood coming from Jesse, okay? So that's what it's talking about here, all right? The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. All right, now notice how many times it says, this is the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold spirit of God, all right? It says the spirit of the Lord, number one. Number two, the spirit of wisdom. Number three, the spirit of understanding. Number four, the spirit of counsel. Number five, the spirit of might. Number six, the spirit of knowledge. And number seven, the fear of the Lord, okay? And so this is called the sevenfold spirit of God. And it's the anointing of the Lord. And this is different than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is a way that the Holy Spirit manifests in the entirety, how the manifest presence would be revealed and how different ways we can experience God. And a lot of times you hear Christians kind of acting like, well, I don't experience the Holy Spirit that way. I experience him like this. And this is very much about that argument because there are seven ways we might experience him in his manifest presence. And so each one of us may experience that in a unique way. And that's partly because each one of us has a different testimony, different story, different experience, different giftings, and so on. But when we put all those things together, we get the sevenfold spirit of God, all of them. And so I was looking up different illustrations of the sevenfold spirit of God. And I found one that explains it beautifully. And if you understand the seven spirits of God in the book of Revelation, it talks about lampstands, okay? These are like candles, lampstands. And they describe different ministries. And it says that around the throne are the seven spirits of God. All right. But I found this picture that helps us to understand this. And think of it like a menorah. All right. A menorah is a Hebraic candlestick. All right. Now, I'm not talking about ones that are not messianic. That, not that image. We want the real one, which is the messianic version. And the messianic version would be seven. All right. Menorahs are made up out of different, like, multiple lamp stands, multiple candle holders. I guess you could describe it that way. And in the old tabernacle, there was a lampstand, all right? So we have to understand that. There was a menorah, all right? And so in this picture I found, it shows there's seven of these lampstands. So the menorah made up out of seven of them, and it's one menorah. So on it has the uh, knowledge or revelation. It's the spirit of knowledge, some would say the spirit of revelation. There's counsel, wisdom, spirit of the Lord, spirit of understanding, power or might, and then the fear of the Lord power might different translations some would also translate it as fortitude all right but what's interesting is that the center of this shows the spirit of the lord and on the outside the fear of the lord and the knowledge of the lord well there's different ways you could look at this that's up for debate as to which lampstand it would be but the point is that there are seven of them all right so remember we already talked about seven colors interesting there's seven colors and there's seven lights there's seven lights, and they're basically a breakdown of one great light, which is God and his power, but seven breakdowns. And what's interesting is that I believe that God has made each of us to embody and represent different parts of that. And I believe that there are even different angels in heaven assigned, if you will, to different parts of that, almost like elements or something, like there's different components. It's like if you were to break down... This white light, you get each one of them a different color, a different stream, and within it different angel 
divisions, different people who would also embody very much that anointing, that flavor. And but it's like together they make up the sevenfold spirit. It's still one Holy Spirit. It's not different spirits. It's like seven pieces, components of it. And it's really is seven streams or seven lights but they are all one. And the Bible speaks of that God the Father is the Father of heavenly lights. So what are they? This heavenly lights. It's these anointings, but it's also very much you and me. And yeah, heavenly lights could be angels, but it also is you and me because it's like we have different anointings within us, but together we make up this amazing illustration. And it's like a rainbow. It's like light refracts into many colors, but they come together into one color. And we make up that whole fabric of the DNA of heaven, of that light. We are all light. And in fact, within our DNA, there's this little building block within it called laminin, which it, it looks like a little cross inside our DNA. And so we are very much made in this image of Christ. And we all have this heavenly identity. And it's really cool. But so we're all different streams. And we talked about that. He's the voice of many waters. What are the many waters? Well, they could be like this too. They're like many different anointings. And these are many voices. All of us are different voices. And we're in a journey to discover these different voices that we all have. And the giftings and the callings that we have within those voices. Different journeys, different testimonies waiting to be discovered. And But in heaven, he's the father of us. Heavenly lights. And we all are gathered around the throne with our light, with our lampstand. The book of Revelation speaks of that each church in the book of Revelation had a lampstand. So each one of us has a different light, a different part of that light, the ray spectrum of lights that we embody. We all together make one great voice, but we all have our individual little voices. And no, I don't believe in this little God's theology, but what it tells me is like we are all these little individual pieces of this greater peace, this greater voice. The bride is beautiful together because she embodies the image of Christ together. She is this white and pure bride, right? This white color, bright and blazing, beautiful bride that is made up out of all these different colors and different streams. And God's made each of us unique, but together we're like the coat of many colors. And we're also the coat of this garment, a pure, spotless, bright light. And we all come together to make that what a beautiful picture, right? Remember? So Isaiah 11, and it says that his, from the line of the tribe of Judah, his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Right? Of the Spirit, the Father of heavenly lights, we are of this image of Christ. And it's a pure and spotless and beautiful image. And together we make up that image all right. But it's really cool how like God has designed all of us, each of us as a unique calling and gifting that we're about to discover in our own testimonies. And when we get delivered and free, we're being transformed into this image. All right. And so I asked God to show me exactly what what are these colors in heaven? Which one's the royal color? And one time I asked him this while I was spending time with the Lord in a, like a devotional time with him. And he showed me it's all of them. Like he showed me the color white. And then he showed me the breakdown that all of them are. They're all royalty. Why? We know that because Jesus sits on an emerald throne. So he has a green colored throne. But then he also, we know that with him, he is dressed in white. And he has like a sash of purple, to my knowledge, which would be basically indigo and violet together. And then, right, the blood of Jesus is red. That's scarlet and red. And it says that though our sins were scarlet, They'll be made white as snow and the scarlet, see, it's as scarlet because the blood of Jesus is, is there to wash it away. The blood of Jesus, right? So the red and red is also like the color of the tribe of Judah. And uh, then his eyes are like blazing fire. They're like orange, right? And so and then it's yellow, which is like gold, the glory of God. All colors have prophetic meanings. Do you know that? So, yeah, I'll just go through all these so you understand how they are all royal royalty colors. All right, red, the blood of Jesus, being purified by the blood of Jesus, sanctification, deliverance, all right, the atonement. Orange represents the fire, the purification, the fire of God, all right, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. Yellow signifies, all right, the light and God's glory and it's the glory and the value and the worth behind heaven and all that's in heaven. 
All right. Green represents healing, wholeness, and I guess it also represents prospering. All right. Green. All right. And it represents redemption because he sits on a throne of emerald. So he's redeeming his bride. He sits on a throne that rules all everyone. That's very much Jesus. That's what he did. He came and humbled himself like to be subjected into a human frame and a human body. He was born in a manger and then he died on the cross, took our sins and redeemed us from them. All right. He's ruling on an emerald throne. Blue. All right. Blue signifies revelation, clarity, understanding. All right. Blue. There's many things, but that's to my understanding. All right. Indigo and violet. I'm not sure how you break down purple into the indigo and violet individually, but I would just say together, think of it as royalty. And so all these colors make up something. All right. And we'll go into more of that another time about each of the anointings and the giftings and callings and, and even the prophetic meanings of colors and stuff like that. But what's beautiful again is this thing of how God brings it all together. All right. We're going to go back to the main scripture. All right. Romans 8 verse 19 to 21. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. I'm not sure that's the translation I read in the beginning, so I'll, I'll go back to that translation. All right, for creation waits with eager longing or other translations say with groaning for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And this is my heart for you that as we continue to explore in this podcast, this, the beginning series of it and however long we're on what we're on, and in the beginning, and then everything that we go through, every subject we go through, that you will grow in that impartation of who you are meant to be as a son or a daughter of the living God, who you are meant to be coming out of the futility of that creation is subject to, and into the likeness of the image of Christ, into that place of the spirit of adoption, that you would discover who you are as a heavenly light that you would discover who you are as your voice. That's what this is all about. You are a voice. And I want to remind you of that, all right? Kingdom voices. We are all made up out of many different unique colors and streams, different anointings, different voices. But together, we come together as one bride in the likeness of the voice of many waters. This is about revealing who you are as a kingdom voice. And I want to leave this with you. I don't know how many of you have ever seen the movie The King's Speech, but it was a very powerful film when I saw it. And in this film, it was all about the King of England, all right, the time of World War II. So this is Elizabeth's father. And the King of England, he was put in a position where he had to be king because his brother abdicated the throne. So then he had to take over and become king. And that's how Elizabeth became queen after because through his line, she became queen. Anyway, so King George became the king at the time. And he had a stutter and difficulty in the ability to learn to be able to be confident speaking. And so every time he go out to public functions to speak, he would stutter all the time. So eventually he had to secretly go find a speech therapist to help him speak. And he couldn't find the right person, but eventually he found this Australian man. And so in the film, they call him Lionel. I don't, I assume that's his name. But anyway, so Lionel, this Aussie fellow, he helped him to get confident at speaking and doing that. But he struggled. He had to learn to speak. Well, at one point, his speech therapist is challenging him, and he is practicing for a speech for his coronation. And at one point, they're talking, and all of a sudden, they get to this moment, and he's like, I don't know what he did, but he goaded him into then saying what he said. And this is what happened, okay? So the king and him are talking, and all of a sudden, he says, I'm the king, and I have a voice! And all of a sudden, the speech therapist is like, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I wanted to hear. He's looking for that in him. How about you? Do you know that you have a voice? Better yet, do you know you are a voice? Do you know that John the Baptist, he would say, when the Pharisees and the others went out to him, they asked him, who are you? All right, at that time, they wanted to know who this one was. He was out in the wilderness, and we know he's preaching and preparing the way for Jesus as a witness, baptizing, witnessing to people. 
bringing them into the kingdom, saying, Repent, for the kingdom is near. They went out to him, and they said, Who are you? Like, are you the Christ? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? Are you these things? Who are you? Are you a prophet? Are you these different things? And he says, No, I'm not those things. This is what I am. And he told him, and he was referring to, I believe, a passage in the Old Testament, and then he said this, and he said, I am a voice, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight a way in the desert, a highway for our God. I am a voice, all right? And just like the kingdom of England said, I'm a king and I have a voice. Now he knew who he was, and at that moment he discovered himself, and his voice came forth from his mouth, and he spoke. And in the same way, we all are subject in that futility in creation that we talked about, waiting, groaning for our voice to be discovered, who we are. We are a voice, very much so. But together, we are even more powerful voice. Together, we are one great voice of the bride of Christ. But individually, we all have a different stream, a different sevenfold spirit stream in our voice, and we need to discover it. We are a voice. You are a voice. I am a voice. And that's what I want to tell you today. All right, so as we go, I'm going to be sharing more about my own testimony, but I want you all to hear my testimony. And so my life has been a life of going through that futility and the groaning within creation. My life has been this one of trying to discover myself. And when I was younger, I did have a lot of difficulty speaking. I'll be honest with you. I had a hard time articulating how I felt, describing what I felt when I felt it and saying what I need to say. About things, communication was actually hard for me, and like it was, it was hard. And I grew up in a home that was very religious, and it wasn't until high school that I came into a relationship with God through going to a Christian camp and seeing that these people are different, and I wanted what they had. And it was like a night and day change for me in terms of something just like the lights went on in my head. But it was still a process, and I had to go through seeing myself become more sanctified into God's likeness, and that came through me going off to get trained in a ministry school, and I did that for many years. And over the process, I saw God renew my mind and stuff like that. And But that whole time, I was so hungry to experience even more. And this all went on from 2004 till 2010. And I continued on with these guys. And eventually, I started serving them on staff. And in 2010, there was a bunch of people who were hungry to go to another level. And at that time... It was crazy because there was an awakening or a revival happening in Kansas City in a ministry there. And some of these people came from Kansas City to where I was at the time. I was in a I was at a training location in Australia for the ministry I was in. And they came there and they brought with them that hunger. And they were like, we need to come together and spend more time worshiping God. And so we would meet in a classroom and do that. And during that time, people were gathering every night. They were so hungry for more God. And it was a hunger for revival. It was amazing how this revival fire had spread from Kansas City all the way to Australia into these classrooms that we'd meet. And we'd just meet there and worship God for hours through the night. And we did this night after night after night after night. Well, after many nights, eventually this one guy was this on-fire evangelist. And he was an Australian guy. And he all of a sudden just stopped everybody. And there was like some of the people who came out from Kansas City. They were very involved in this. And they were really like kind of spearheading this one guy in particular. Well, anyway, the Australian guy, he just all of a sudden told like, we got to stop this, stop everything. And he made this announcement. He felt like right now God wants to pour out in his Holy Spirit and in, in his power and through the gifts of the Holy Spirit and through me and I feel to pray and offer prayer for anyone who wants this. Well, I came forward because I really wanted this. And I had been asking God, I really want to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I waited, waited. I mean, I kid you not, it must have been almost 10, almost, I guess it was six years. And anyway, so here I am, and I wanted that. And so the guy laid his hands on me to pray. And then other people came around me with him and prayed. And during that time, it was like my flesh was in strife. And it was like my flesh didn't want to receive what was being poured into me. And so at the time, I was like trying to strive to pray for myself too. <laughs> and But I also didn't have any grid or understanding for deliverance whatsoever. And I don't know if I would have been open to it at the time. But anyway, so there was something in me that wasn't meant to be there, if you understand what I'm saying. And so whatever it was in me, I guess it was at least something that was probably quite religious. Go figure, I came from a religious home, right? And something in there was religious and striving or whatever it was. And there were probably other things with it. And they didn't like the anointing that was there. They didn't want to be there in me anymore. 
And I had already cried and told the Lord, I would do whatever you wanted me to do, God. I would set my life apart. I'd give myself to you in any way you wanted. I'd give up whatever you needed. And I was doing that. And I said, I'd do it to have more of you in my life and what you want for me. Well, lo and behold, here I was in this night. And they're praying. And that's what's happening. And whatever was in me was kind of striving in the flesh. But something spiritually was also didn't want to be there. And so anyway, they prayed. And, and then one of them rebuked what was doing that. And I was like, what? This is so new to me. I didn't understand it. Eventually, I start to feel that whatever had a hold on me was losing its grip. And then all of a sudden, someone else prayed something. And in that moment, everything changed. And they said, God wants to change you and use you to bring freedom into others' lives. And I didn't know what it meant. I thought maybe it was just through my talents or skills. I didn't understand about flowing in the anointing and prayer and all that in ministry. But something broke in that moment. And all of a sudden, snap! Everything changed. I fell to the ground like a heap. And at the same time, I felt this voice of something was probably pain within me too and within my soul, but also something that was meant to be there. It was a combination of this and this groaning. And all of a sudden, this thing left. And then I was there on the floor waiting. And all of a sudden, this really anointed song was playing at the time. And all of a sudden, I felt like something just came upon me and into me and all around me. It's a powerful anointing, and it felt like electricity in that moment. It was coming, and then God was like, now get up. And I got up, and immediately I felt that flow through me of this power of God like I had asked for, like electricity. But he was also healing me, I believe, too, that for whatever reason, something was being rewired within my mind, my brain, my body, my nervous system. I didn't fully understand that. Yeah, I had suffered from a lot of things growing up, and some other time we'll get into that, but yeah, it was a lot that had affected me, and God was just changing all in a moment, and it was the most powerful thing you could ever have, and it was life-changing, and I wish that for everyone that could experience what I did. It changed me. It changed my paradigm. I got transformed, set free, delivered, all that within that time. And within a season of the next couple of years, I started doing things I could have never done before. Like God used me in the talents that he gave me and I started leading people in worship and all that. But also things started to change in my life. Like I couldn't do certain things before that that I could like, for example, I couldn't write in handwriting and I could write in handwriting. I could do all these things and God changed all that. There's things that practically changed, but also spiritually, like, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you. And God used all these things in that moment. The hunger, he used the sounds from the worship, the anointed worship, like sounds from heaven that broke through something. I think it was this song from Matt Gilman, Holy, and that was the one that was playing at the time, and it was just through the holiness of the power of God that came through me. It was God imparting to me, activating what was inside of me, and it changed me. It changed me so much and ruined me for the ordinary. It gave me such a heart for that kind of revival where we experience the power of God, but it also the one that sanctifies and sets us free and makes us new makes us into the likeness of him as a holy God, but yet he would sanctify us and purify us and lift us up higher than we ever could be into a spirit of adoption. You know what I'm saying? And that's what God did in a moment. And he used others to pray for me to see that happen. And I got a breakthrough that others had. And I'm telling you, it's it's the most amazing thing. And God can do that for you too. He really can. And But you see, it was the power of that synergy and everyone together. I wondered why I had waited to give this testimony at the end. And now I know why. Because it all is the culmination of all these things. Together, we are many streams flowing into one. That night, it was so powerful because we had people like that guy, that evangelist I told you of. We had other guys who were focusing on worshiping and they wanted to do that. There were people there who were under the power of God, like they were laughing in joy because God was healing them. There were people there who were getting healed of different physical ailments. There was people there who just had experienced the gift of tongues for the first time. There were different things they were discovering in themselves. A lot of people were changed through that night. And I know that it was part of a greater move on the earth at the time too, because as I told you, there was a revival happening in Kansas City around that same time, and people were experiencing huge things then. That revival, this particular awakening that occurred at that time, a lot of people got sanctified as musicians and singers and creative people. It was it was during the time of the millennial generation, and you have to understand a lot of millennials really were part of something huge. And so it was it was like part of a millennial revival. 2010. 
But a lot of people really were changed, and a lot of people were used by God in their talents, and a lot of people were sent out into the harvest field, into the missions, and to, to do the Great Commission, to use their gifts and talents. It was so powerful. It was so powerful, guys. All right. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. God's glory waiting to be revealed through you, and together, as you come into the likeness of Christ as one of these streams, as one of these voices, as a voice but together, it's bright light. It's one powerful image of the beauty of the bride of Christ. And that's what we are together. And I want to pray for you, just to impart to you what we've been talking about today. Jesus, I thank you for the beauty of who you are in heaven. And that likeness, the brightness, the bright color, the glory of who you are in your image. I thank you as the bride of Christ as we come into the likeness. We come into who we understanding who we are in our identity and our voice. And then as we come together, we form one voice, one pure, bright, spotless bride, bright white. And that's exactly what you are, pure white voice of the sound of many waters, of many waters. And we are many waters. We are all different voices. And Lord, right now, I want to pray that different ones of us would come out of that futility. I feel the Lord would call people out of that futility. And he's saying, come up higher and into the light. Come into the light and into that understanding who you are. Just like I did that night when I felt the power of God flow through me after getting delivered, set free. I was also then feeling God's healing, his power, and like electricity flowing through me. I was feeling also like I could see it even when I closed my eyes. I could see there was something changing in what I saw. It was something transforming. And I pray right now that the Lord would release and impart to each and every one of you that too in the name of Jesus. Right now I impart and activate you into that and that understanding. I bless you, each and every one of you, and impart to you that understanding of who you are meant to be and what you are meant to discover. I say come into the light that the Lord will set you free on this journey, that he'll set you free and heal you to discover who you are in heaven, who are you in your spirit, seated in heavenly places, that you'll discover who you are, who you are meant to be, and what you're meant to do with your gifts, your calling, and your life. In Jesus' name right now, I say come into the light, come into the light, come into the light, come into the light. Fire, cleansing fire that would sanctify and burn bright. That you would see that light of Christ, that fire, but also that you would experience it to cleanse you and purify you, sanctify you and bring you up higher into the likeness of Christ in the name of Jesus. That you may experience the all-encompassing sevenfold spirit, the fullness, the fullness, the fullness of that manifestation of that power. The seven streams, the seven colors, all of it, the entire picture of what it is as the bride of Christ. You experience all of it but also who you are individually as your individual light, your individual identity that makes up the greater picture. That's my prayer for you tonight, that you would discover that. And as we go into this series, and as we go into further episodes, that you will discover all of this for your life on each subject. That's our heart for you, and I hope you will experience that too. And I impart that to you tonight, and I bless you with all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, that's it for tonight. But I hope that blesses you. We will continue to go into these subjects and what we've discussed. We will continue to go into revisiting this whole thing in the future. But this is us. This is me and those who will be with me on this show. Kingdom Voices Revealed. Right? That's us. And our heart is to impart, reveal, and help you discover how to activate your kingdom voice, your identity, your gifts, and callings. That's what we want for you. That's what God wants for you. So receive it in Jesus' name. That's all I have for tonight. That's all I have for this time. But stay tuned. New episodes will be available soon. And they will be released every Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Blessings and shalom to you all. Feel free to contact me if you'd like to know more information. Or if you want to follow up on anything that's been imparted to you today. And if you want to know more or you want to connect and follow up, feel free to contact me anytime. Blessings and shalom to you all. And talk to you next time.